everybody. Welcome to Same Team, an LGBTQ sports podcast. How are you? I am your host, Daniel Trainer. Thank you very much for listening. Appreciate your time. This is our final episode of the year. Final episode of 2018. Can you believe that? Since launching earlier this year, the podcast has grown and evolved, and it's been so fun to to see people find it and to learn from it, and hopefully you've learned some things as well. If you've been here since the beginning, can't tell you how much I appreciate your support. If this is the first time you've listened, uh, thank you, and I hope you stick with us. There's already some really fun things planned for 2019. Can't wait to get into those next year. But uh, to go out this year in 2018, I think it's a very fitting episode because my guest is David Palumbo. David Palumbo is on the executive board of the You Can Play organization. Now, when I say that it's a fitting end of the year, I say that because I don't know if this podcast would necessarily even exist if it wasn't for You Can Play and all the work that they have done to create visibility for LGBTQ athletes uh, and, and fans and really just a community in all of sports. You Can Play launched in 2012 to basically eradicate homophobia in sports. I remember when it launched. You'll hear David and I talk about that and what a big deal it was for me and how excited I was that there were people fighting for people like me. Uh, you'll hear us talk about the Burke family. So the You Can Play organization was was launched after the death of Brendan Burke. Brendan was team manager of the Miami of Ohio men's hockey team, a lifelong hockey fan. He died in a car accident in 2010. Brendan also happened to be gay. So a couple of years later, his brother Patrick, along with a couple of others, and with the support of their father Brian Burke, former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, launched the organization in his honor and to carry out his legacy. My guest, David Palumbo, came on board a couple of years later as the organization continued to flourish and thrive and grow. Hockey was sort of the genesis of You Can Play. They've done incredible stuff with the NHL, but in the past number of years, that has expanded. They now work with other organizations, other athletes, other leagues, uh, and David talks a lot about that as You Can Play just continues to, to be the standard bearer for acceptance for LGBTQ people in and around sports. Also, quickly, in the episode, you will hear me make reference to Andrew Shaw. For those unfamiliar, back in 2016, Andrew Shaw, who at the time was playing for the Chicago Blackhawks, used a homophobic slur in a playoff game directed toward an official. He was given a one-game suspension, but despite that, still, understandably, a lot of anger, a lot of outrage directed toward him. And at that time, you can play stepped in and did what they kind of do best. So I talked to Mr. Palumbo about that, sort of talk about what happens when you can play gets involved in situations like that. And I think it's a really great microcosm for all the stuff that you can play does. So just want to give some background on Andrew Shaw when that sort of comes up. Without any further ado, last episode of 2018, I think it's a really interesting, fun way to go out. Here it is, my conversation with David Palumbo from You Can Play. Thank you so much for the time. I'm, I'm really excited to get the chance to chat. 
Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, Looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because a lot of the time, the people that I've had on here, I sort of know a little bit more about their backgrounds and sort of where they're from. And I don't know a tremendous about uh, about you. So can you tell me right. sort of, you know, where you grew up and, and what your childhood was like? Sure. Uh, I was born in a city called Hamilton, Ontario, which is about uh, 45 minutes uh, southwest of Toronto, Ontario. Yeah, as a, uh, as so, a big as a big hockey fan, I'm familiar with Hamilton. Right. Yes. Um, and so I grew up uh, largely in a uh, what was called a steel town, uh, similar to the old Pittsburgh. I guess uh, way back uh, I was there. Uh, started in 1970. My life there in Hamilton. Lovely. And uh, grew up uh, in a family of six. I had two other two older brothers and a younger sister. And then my two parents, who uh, I'm first-generation Canadian. Uh, they came over from Italy in the mid-1960s. Oh, wow. And uh, in search of a more prosperous life uh, for their family. I always joke that I'm glad that they did because had they not, they probably would have just had my two older brothers back then. They probably right. would. So I, I wouldn't have had the pleasure of speaking to you today. Oh, so. my goodness. Well, thank God for the move to Hamilton. <laughs> That's right. So why did your dad yeah. work in steel? Why did they end up there? Uh, no, and so at the time, my dad was a uh, a plaster contractor. Uh, so I'll pretend um, like I know what that is. That is uh, essentially when uh, you know, in sort of in uh, construction or renovations, uh, using uh, what now is drywall in terms of to construct uh, houses and the walls. Uh, there used to be more of a solid sort of on the spot um, sort of uh, art to creating that where you would throw the mortar on the wall and then put a coat over it to finish it. And it wasn't that you were just nailing up a bunch of drywalls. You were actually constructing the wall sort of on the studs. Uh, And then he had a a beautiful gift of art to create uh, sort of like the moldings right on the spot. So where right now you could probably go to a Home Depot and buy moldings and nail them to your ceiling and make a nice corner molding, he would actually take the plaster uh, and actually construct it uh, on on the site itself or light light fixtures or certain designs on the ceilings and so uh, that was his craft and uh, when he wanted to come to Canada uh, you know Canada at the time was welcoming a number of immigrants and to help uh, build the communities and uh, they destined him to certain uh, they destined immigrants to certain parts of the country at the time and he ended up in Hamilton and uh, by good fortune, he found someone that was also in the plastering business that gave him a job and started it out. And then my mom followed him shortly after. Wow, that's such a great story. I mean, your, yeah. your dad's job like probably doesn't really even exist anymore. Uh, very little. You know, my, my two older brothers took up the trade. Oh, okay. And uh, my, my dad is now long uh, since retired. Uh, but, uh, there are still some, uh, that get involved in that, but yeah, it's largely uh, a work of art. Our family home in Hamilton has a lot of his work. So I always think that it'd be sad one day when it's gone because there's a lot of his, uh, art and attention to detail that's gone into various rooms in that house. uh, Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's more now in the land of quick construction and, and costs being a factor, yeah. you just go and, and buy a bunch of wallboard and nail it up, tape it and paint over it. So is your family still there? 
they are. Yes. Um, most uh, my immediate family is in Hamilton. I, I have no extended family. They're all back in uh, northern Italy. Wow. Do you get back to Italy? Ever? Yeah. I, I've been going maybe once, uh, once a year, oh, the wow. last little while, uh, either business wise or I've just been on vacation. Uh, so it's uh, it's great, especially uh, for me to just keep the language as well as much as I can, and I get to see uh, a lot of my great cousins there. Oh, and, that's uh, amazing! Some, some some very special aunts that I have left. You eat a bunch yes. of good food, I presume. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I'm jealous. I, I know I, I I'm biased, but I think it's the most amazing place on earth. Hey, well, I know I've never been, so uh, I would yeah. love to go one day. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely uh, a bucket list place to go check out. So, what kind of kid are you yeah. while you're growing up? What sort of role, you know, if any, are are, are sports playing? Um, sports largely, uh, being Italian, got into soccer uh, at an early age. I think largely between heritage and then just I think affordability. Yeah, um, sure. With uh, a number of us, I think my bro- my oldest brother played. I believe one season or maybe two when I was a lot younger in terms of hockey. Uh, but I think just as it was even back then, like it's an expensive sport to deal with. Oh, it's insane. Uh, and so, um, you know, soccer was relatively cheap. Both me and my, my, uh, the second brother, uh, got into it and played it a number of years. Um, and, and, and did that in an organized capacity, played through school, uh, in, in that capacity. And then just, of course, with uh, growing up with a number of kids all around you, you know, we'd have those epic either soccer games or hockey games on the street that you'd always move the nets for cars coming by. Oh, of course. Car. In, in a way, yeah, in a Wayne's World capacity sort of way, <laughs> uh, you know, sort of football and sort of a big uh, group. So sports was always sort of uh, a part of growing up. With, for, with us, so that yeah, for sure. So, so yeah. Walk, so walk me through then, sort of your professional life and sort of how you end up at you can play, which we'll talk about obviously a lot. But sort of as you as you grow up and and turn into the person that you are now, what sort of professional steps are you taking? Uh, so I in turn now I I, would say I I didn't have the trajectory of being a pro sports athlete. I right. think probably uh, that was just not in the cards, but I think I was largely in that bucket of where, you know, 90% of people who play sports as a kid or organized sports end up in sort of that bucket of recreation and competitive leagues and things like that. Sure. Um, over time, um, I just sort of, as I went through school, I, I ended up at law school in Canada uh, and became a lawyer. Uh, of which then that brought me to uh, Toronto, in which I've been practicing for almost uh, now 16 years, yeah. um, or 15 years rather, in uh, in Toronto. Um, and so that it was sort of a, a, a bumpy road at times. I think probably dealing with a lot of things, uh, sexuality-wise, and 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 other that sort of took me on different tangents. That eventually I, I got to a place where. I, I got all that sort of sorted out and embarked on my professional career, which then allowed me uh, the good fortune to sort of get involved in causes that I really uh, believed in and felt passionate about. Yeah. Which, so, uh, yeah. So how, how did you directly get involved with You Can Play then? Uh, so You Can Play uh, started, I'd heard about it. Um, my The law firm I was at at the time um, so Brian Burke was Brendan's father. Yeah. Um, and so Brian Burke at the time when he was GM of the Maple Leafs and then when that, when they parted ways, uh, Brian was also by a lawyer by profession, 
uh, just sort of parked him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he ended up uh, knowing a number of people at the firm I was at. And so they had just an arrangement where he could sort of, you know, sort of park and get involved in certain things and sort of plan the next steps of, of his either hockey journey or whatnot. And so there was an event at the firm, uh, sort of a cocktail reception, the typical, you know, come and meet um, someone. He was the guest speaker. Uh, it was really cool. He was, you know, speaking about uh, various things that he believed in and he brought his Stanley Cup ring. Uh, and people took pictures with that. And so that's uh, largely um, where I heard about it. And then a good friend of mine, uh, who at the time was working for the Canadian Olympic Committee, had also had some connections uh, in uh, in the You Can Play world through uh, Brendan's brother, Patrick, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, just got to learn more about it. Um, when I then moved to my current firm, um, there was an opportunity to uh, celebrate World Pride in Toronto when that was was happening in 2014, and uh, the management of my firm wanted to do an event for the first time ever to, to celebrate World Pride, but they also want to have a social aspect to a social sort of responsibility aspect, something charitable, and they wanted to, you know, we got uh, sort of a committee together and sort of got some ideas and I thought, you know, this is something that I've been involved with a little bit and I've volunteered and just sort of helped out and we, you know, it'd be great to, to get more with this and the firm got really behind it, yeah, that's uh, which was, which was great. And so it just sort of blossomed from there um, that uh, given the connection is sort of, uh, you know, my own life and then just the sports um, aspect of it, it was a really uh, great. And then also just to, you know, something to really honor Brendan's legacy and vision that oh, he had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when the organization launched in, I believe, 2012, if that's... 2012, yeah, that's 2012. right, yes. Mar- I remember, March, yes. Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking, wow, that's that's so incredible, and also, wow, that sounds like it's going to be so tough to, to, to sort of, you know, you know right. work, work with these leagues and work with these athletes and do all the stuff that they're doing. I, I remember really thinking, well, first of all, how did something like this not really exist in the first place in terms of what they were doing? And then I remember not being scared, but just being like, man, I hope that I I hope that, you know, they can accomplish what they want without running into too much trouble. I mean, were were you hesitant at all about getting involved? Um, I I wasn't hesitant. If anything, probably um, I was excited to get more and more involved uh, into it. Um, I think it, maybe it's a sign of the times. And if you look at, you know, um, our partnership with leagues like the NHL or CFL, like five, 10 years ago, we would never be having these conversations. We would not be having a hockey is for everyone month right, or you right. can, you can, you can play ambassadors on every team or, uh, pride nights and, you know, soccer for all campaigns and MLS and things like that. So, um, it's certainly, I think also a testament to the people in those organizations and leagues that have, really taken to the message of inclusion and equality and that their visibility matters you know even in a in a in a a great country like ours here in canada or the the number of states in the u.s where you think it's second nature it really makes a difference sure Um, so um it's 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 very important but even you know at the very beginning when uh, Brendan first came out to his family and you know being a hockey family both his father and uh, his brother were concerned for him because they weren't sure how that was going to play out at the time. And yeah. so uh, he did come out, you know, he'd come out to classmates 
but for a while, while he did come out to his parents, uh, to his family, it was probably a little bit of, uh, you know, like, how are we going to deal with this? Because it wasn't so much, obviously, they were incredibly supportive and without hesitation, backed him completely, unequivocally showed him unconditional love yeah. because of the person that he was. Uh, but they were, at the time, you know, rightly concerned about what he would have to go through if that got further. And then eventually uh, the story leaked and they, they, you know, went on this a little bit of a PR campaign to say, hey, you know, this is, this is who I am. This is what I want to see in the locker room. And his father was right with them. Uh, every step of the way yeah. on that, and it was getting great. It was getting great attention because of who Brian was and his, uh, I guess, persona in the hockey world as well. That many oh, people sure. probably w- would never have thought it. And so, it's always a great thing to see, especially when you hear him speak. Because for people that saw him as this big, gruff, you know, uh, hockey GM or a yeah. former player, I mean, he really he you, fits the prototypical mold of just absolutely. like a hockey dad, you know. Absolutely. You know, and so but when you talk, you know, when you hear him speak or when you talk to him, he talks about how, you know, every day he at around the table, you know, they would talk about acceptance. They would talk about uh, equality and inclusion and what that meant. Um, And so when unfortunately, uh, you know, the 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 tragedies that then came only after a few months when they started that. Mm -hmm. um, And then so you can play was really a great vehicle. It was born out of tragedy, tragedy, but. It really is became a great vehicle to to have uh, Brendan's vision and legacy really be shone upon everyone, and so we, you know, I like to say that uh, Brendan has always been and will continue to be our north star at You Can Play in terms of what he wanted to see, and and we've had some uh, fairly good success so far. Well, yeah, that's beautiful, and, and like you said, we talk about on this podcast with certain guests all the time about. How much progress has seemingly seemingly been made in a short amount of time, and, and that short amount right. of time basically fits the amount of time that you have been with the organization. So, from 2014 until now, what sorts of changes have you seen, and how have you seen things evolved? Well, I've seen uh, certainly the even just the level of discourse, uh, the level of uh, acceptance, uh, both at the highest levels. Um, but also, even in the junior ranks and in the college, like we have a great, um, you know, we have great partnerships with college conferences and like the America's East Conference, who recently won a, an, an award for their Spread Respect campaign that was largely built to spread the You Can Play message. Uh, things like that that we haven't seen before. Um, the 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 level of acceptance and discourse, getting people to go beyond that silent acceptance. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, like Brian Burke always talks about, it's not about tolerance, it's about acceptance. You tolerate cats, not to offend any cat lovers out there, but, <laughs> no, please. you know, we, it's, that, this if is you a know. podcast and, and if <laughs> right, anybody listening <laughs> doesn't agree, that's fine. You know, uh, but it's really that message that people have decided to really get behind and not only just silently accept that and say, yes, I'm an ally, uh, but really get out there and say, uh, you know, take positive steps in, in making that culture of allyship because really at the end of the day you can play is really about allies yeah we are right. you know we're a quality we're inclusion lgbtq plus athletes but at the end of the day we are nothing without our allies and that's where we've had a meteoric rise in the number of allies whether professional personal organizational corporate um, is really them that have driven our message 
of equality and inclusion forward. And I think that's uh, – I, I, not to cut yeah, you off, but I, sure. I, I think that that's so – important just to see the impact that it has to see you know name any any athlete that's involved in sure. play and the numbers are growing and that's in that's incredible i i think that's so important in the eyes of the lgbtq community of course i mean i see that and it's, sure. and it's tremendous but i think what that does influentially for a straight person for a straight fan to see that i think the i think the message gets through in such a distinct way when they can see their favorite athlete supporting a pride night or you know wearing a flag or whatever it is being in a parade whatever it is i think that's where minds are changed so much is these you know these brian burke types essentially sort of embracing the organization and embracing the message i think you can play has done such an incredible job of getting the right people involved and then also getting that message in front of the right people i think that's i think that's where the change happens and that's essentially what you were saying yeah yeah, absolutely. Like the the, the visibility of uh, of the, the the level of stars, say in a in a pro league, uh, it matters when people talk about well, why do you need a pride night for? Or uh, you know, same the the whole debate over often that you talk about pride parades and things like that. That matters for two, as you say, in the straight and ally community, where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that, but it's not so much just so that oh, I'm going to follow. Uh, you know, someone like a Sidney Crosby using a pride wrapped, a pride tape wrapped stick in the yeah. pregame warmup that then they sign and auction off for for proceeds. Uh, the visibility, I think, the really key messaging there is really the people that we don't see or hear from. Yes. We don't know. Uh, Though th- there is such a huge community out there of people who are struggling and athletes, and you know, we we had a study where eighty six percent. Of, of athletes that quit the game because they don't feel comfortable. All those future superstars that we probably have lost out on over the years because they felt uncomfortable in a game that they loved and that they probably used to feel some sort of shelter from the struggles that they were going through. Right. So if anybody sees a pro athlete, take Braden Holtby from the Capitals, uh, it's who a, has he, been it's funny. He incredible. Was, yeah, he was the name right? that was that, that was I was about to mention yeah. as I was going through my whole thing. I mean, Braden Holtby has been like. There's a difference between, and not to take anything away from anybody who does anything with the organization right. or any anybody who supports anything, but there does seem to be a difference with somebody like Braden who clearly cares and clearly wants to support these things is marching in these parades is is doing things on his own time it seems like it's not just it's not just you know some silly little thing that he's not thinking about there seems to be so much passion and energy put behind it. right right and it's genuine he's a great example of what i think is an example of an ally becoming an accomplice Right, in this right, march, right. in in, the, in this march for equality and inclusion, right? Like he has been incredible from day one, and has always been ready to help and support in any way he can. So, you know, someone who's a Capitals fan in D.C. or wherever, and there's a kid, there's a teenager struggling with sexuality right now because he's at that age where things are starting to happen, and he's feeling off, or mm-hmm. he's feeling like he's not going to be accepted, uh, and he just wants to do what he loves. Like those are very strong messages of support because it gets to the point where we don't know who we're who we're touching really. Right. You know, it's great to have the people. You know, we get letters and we get shows of support and everything, but it's those people that we really just don't know about that are out there. That 
if that's where we can touch the people to give them some sense of, hey, you know what, like these stars are helping, the people in my community are rallying, they're going to the pride night um, at the arena, they're going, like it gives a little bit more comfort for them to then reach out either to someone or at least knowing that even if they weren't going to come out, they could at least feel a little bit more comfortable in knowing that if something ever should happen, there would be people that would have his or her or their back. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And like the the people that you're reaching to don't even really have a way to reach out. I mean, I'm thinking right. of like my 12 year old self or something. Exactly. Watching like, you know, let's say growing up a Red Wings fan, but let's say I was growing up a Capitals fan uh, and I'm 12 years old and sort of feeling a certain way, trying to figure out my sexuality. And I see Braden Holpe doing all this stuff. Braden Holpe you know, Stanley Cup winning goaltender who is, you know, the the right. marquee star of these Stanley Cup parades is also marching in these pride parades. I mean, that gives yeah. me somebody to, that didn't exist when I was. Oh, well, no, I, you know, you know, like I didn't get the Internet till I was 26. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like growing up in Hamilton where they, like you just had no resources, there was no, you know, even in like the major urban centers now where you think even with young with young uh, students or whatever, and all the resources that they have, like there were no, you know, nothing to chat, uh, you know, on or anything and, and, and be of like-minded people. Uh, yeah. you, you were, you just felt alone. And it's not like, you know, Hamilton was this small little rural community of 500 people or anything like that. So I can just imagine where you do get into the rural areas and the fans of the game or of whatever they want to play and they play at their local arena or on a baseball team or softball or a soccer team and because of the community and like they just don't know what they're facing and that causes that causes so much angst and stress that you know we see it still um why people they may say it's the most accepting generation right now but i always think that's a little bit um you know of a misnomer because look at the attempted suicide rate still amongst LGBT youth Mm -hmm. and look at, look at the homeless youth population where it's estimated to be somewhere around 30% LGBTQ. Like there's still very serious issues that these young kids go through when they're discovering, you know, who they are and how to deal with it. So um, if we can play a small part in the sports realm uh, for something that they can see as almost, a shelter or a welcoming environment to mm-hmm. do something that they love because it's so critical to their development. Yeah. I think it's very proven that organized sports and what you play is is, is critical to a, a child's development as they grow. And so for, for them to leave that because of an issue where they don't feel like they could be accepted for who they were is, is really sad. Yeah. Right? And, and, it's, and if, no, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, if you, Often, if you look at the teammates, and we see some really great stories lately about teammates uh, really rallying behind uh, their teammates who have come out and just said, "You're you're my teammate. You know, we want like we want to win. We're going to win together. I don't care about that. I care about you being a teammate, being committed, and us being. You know, if you're going to be the quarterback, I'm caring about you making sure you make that pass." Um, you know, like Olympic athletes, we've had our, our partnerships with the, the Olympic Committee, and you, and you hear from Olymp- uh, trainers, uh, training athletes that were in the trials. And, you know, one, uh, I'm going to mention like a, a, a good you can play ambassador for ours, Connor Terrace, who missed the qualification by, I think it was 0.2 seconds. And you just yeah. think about if there was something lifted off that shoulder, you know, where would he be? 
Where yeah. would if he have been in that Olympic Games when he made it? Because you're clearly at your best when you are yourself. There's yeah. no question about that. Well, I just I just had Eric Radford, figure skater, on right. here a couple episodes yes. ago, and he was sort of alluding to the same thing, where like his first Olympics. Um, he didn't perform up to his highest standard because, you know, because of a host of things. But he sort of said a primary reason was the fact that he wasn't out. You know, he, he right. wasn't out of the closet. And so in between his first and second Olympics, he came out. And his second Olympics were just an incredible experience, just better for him personally and on the ice. And so, you know, it just speaks to what you just said. And it's like, you know, the organization can influence these young minds. And I think that that's where that's where the, you know, the influence really happens. It's, it's getting to people right. young and, and, and right. you know, getting to people on both sides, getting to L- the LGBTQ youth and also getting to uh, to straight kids who are sports fans and can look to these idols and say and, and change minds early. You know, I think the yeah. and th- there's no timeline for people to come out. People can do it whenever they no. want. But I think that the younger uh, that people can do it, I think the, the, the sooner that they can sort of realize yeah. that they're OK and that there's nothing wrong with them, I think just the generation is going to be so much better for it sure i i I, absolutely i mean we often get asked about whether it's in various leagues you know oh you know you've been at this for so long and this has been happening and this has been happening are you you know does it bother you are you upset that no you know current player is you know has come out uh in 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 this league or that league and and that's not really what we're about like we're not a we're not a vehicle we're not a vehicle to come out or facilitate you coming out of the closet or anything like that we've certainly worked with athletes behind the scenes where they've asked us uh and and sort of to manage and and just for them to deal with what would come next and how they could get support and how to rally allies and things like that but really at the end of the day you know, we're, we're just wanting to make sure that we create an environment for people to be themselves and accepted as teammates, as coaches, fans even, in where they could go and watch their, their favorite sport or team without having to deal with slurs from the, you know, from the stands or anything like that because something's not going well. People just to feel comfortable in their environment, yes. just like everybody else is in the regular, quote, straight environment. Sure. Um, it's, it's not about, you know, pushing people out or wanting to make it if no one ever comes out that's fine they may choose not to because for whatever reason is for them but at the end of the day if they felt a little bit more comfortable that then they could focus really on what they do best whether it's perform for a team whether it's an official whether it's they can coach better and really focus on developing their team and talent then that to me is a successful mission oh absolutely so when you when you talk about working with the nhl it's funny because i i'm a hardcore hockey fan have been my entire life and in many ways even as a big hockey fan i i sort of would have assumed that the nhl sort of would have been the last league to really get so involved because the nhl to me has always been sort of politically neutral and sort of you know just i don't just it, it, yeah. it sort of surprises yeah. me because the hockey world sort of seems so uh, just kind of closed off from that sort of stuff. And obviously the the, the influence and, 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 you know, having the Burke family involved is a big part of it. But, I mean, what can sure. you say to to what it's been like working with the NHL? And, you know, to somebody like me, what, what a great surprise it's been to see all the great stuff that the NHL has done. What has it been like collaborating with them? 
it's been it's been great. Um, they they have been uh, an incredible partner. Really, um, it, we we would not I absolutely say without equivocation. Um, you know, we would not be where we are today without you know the support of a league like the NHL and much like with others as well. Um, partly, I think because of the people who are driving that internally and how we've been able to work with them. Um, because you know, I know you said politically neutral and 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 that and the history of of, of the game. Uh, but I think as we march along. It's really becoming. This isn't really a question of politics. This is just a sure. question of, of of human dignity. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, um, you know, the inclusion uh, drives that business too, because it is about who play the game. But it, the NHL, as you know, is very much also, uh, d- despite people having views about various things at time and passions of various camps and for their teams. You know, it's a very much a fan oriented business yeah right yeah. Of, 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 as all professional sports are should be uh, so we've had uh, we've had great success with them but that's because they've been committed to 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 that ideal with us if they weren't or if they were you know sort of half-heartedly in we would not have seen something like uh, hockey is for everyone month across yeah. the NHL and where each and every uh, you know, team would then have an ambassador, uh, and then where we would go and have these various nights, but not just on a night, but also uh, just in terms of making that matter. The Declaration of Principles was a huge step, uh, and which they were recently recognized for as well. Um, so they, they've been great uh, to work with. They've been really committed, um, and it, it, I think it's a testament given how many things that they probably have to deal with. Uh, obviously recognizing that LGBTQ and inclusion in the sport, whether it's hockey fans or coaches or anything, is not the only you know diversity angle that is right. also needing to be considered. So um, there's a lot going on. And considering that level of engagement that we've had and the, the league's commitment, I think we've been, one, very fortunate. Uh, certainly, the, the connection with the Burke family and where it started with that first video and getting some uh, some players to do that very first sort of seminal video uh, for us uh, was was a huge watershed moment. But again, I think at the end of the day, you're dealing with people because, uh, you know, even the, the athletes that wanted to do it, they did it because they wanted to, not because they're like, oh, OK, well, you know, we should do this. Or yeah. uh, they, they've been, as you say, you know, like with Braden or others, they've wanted to be passionately involved you know uh, james van reemsdijk is a is a huge uh, supporter of the you can play project from day one mm-hmm. and uh you know other uh, other athletes they've really wanted to step up and show their support because they know what their visibility means generally yeah as, yeah. a, as a pro athlete yeah and, and as yeah. other as other leagues and sort of athletes have gotten involved you know and, and as you can play sort of grows and expands what have other leagues been like to work with have, have they sort of been as great as the nhl uh, we've had great partnerships um i look at um our our uh, our long-standing partnership with the canadian football league um who have done things across the country uh, we had a, a great uh, you know the for the first time ever uh, an LGBTQ uh, party was on the official Grey Cup uh, weekend 
uh, calendar for the for the Canadian Football League, it's which amazing. never happened before a couple of years ago, um, which has been great. Each team uh, also had their sort of you can play supporters. Um, we've we have a, a you know a great budding relationship uh, with Major League Soccer and the various teams and their Soccer for All campaign. Um, I, I think there's a lot like there's Major League Lacrosse. Um, we, we've had uh, great work with uh, some NBA teams and Major League Baseball. Uh, especially here in Toronto with the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I think what what leagues are seeing, and really it's driven by then also what their fans want to see and who their consumer is, is that it really is becoming just a, a you know a question of the conversation that yeah we should you know we should express our support for this um, and 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 drive it forward the way they can do it through their entertainment vehicles and i think that's very important yeah absolutely i i don't know how much you can speak to this but a a question i had for you that that just sort of came to me when something happens that sort of demands the attention of you can play like the example i'm thinking of off the top of my head is back uh andrew shaw with the blackhawks in 2016 he's sort of using an expletive what what is that decision process like you know in terms of like getting involved how you get involved and then sort of like how that all sort of plays out because it's always so impressive to me um the work that's done so quickly and and you know the efforts to combat that i mean how does how does that sort of evolve uh, yeah, so I think um, you know, I think um, the benefit of our relationships that we've been able to cultivate, I think, has gotten us to a place where I think we're seen as a trusted partner in the sports space. And what what we're not, I think, is you know, I've, we're not an immediate pitchfork and torches organization that something happens and then all of a sudden, you know, we are out there and I I know there are reactions, uh, but largely where we've been able to be, uh, I think, build our goodwill too then is when something like that happens, you know, people reach out to us either for comment or whatnot. We reach out uh, to other stakeholders and offer our support about talking. If it's an educational, teachable moment, uh, then let's you know, let's let's figure that out. Let's come up with ways on how we can uh, educate and and get people to understand that if there is a slur or anything like that is not the language of role models and that yeah. role that professional athletes play. Uh, so I think the the Andrew Shaw example is is a great one when you think of that because um, you know we we worked with that behind this and largely what we've done is behind the scenes. We we have not you know, litigated things or discussed much in the headlines mm-hmm. uh, where we've, we've dealt. And I think leagues and teams have appreciated that because we really then get to the heart of the matter rather than just, you know, getting a little too sensational about it just for the sake of driving, you know, sort of uh, media feeds. Yeah. Uh, so if you look at the, the, the timeline on Andrew Shaw uh, and then when he, when he went to the Canadians, um, you know, Kerry Price, who was our You Can Play ambassador on that team, Andrew Shaw stepped up and volunteered and requested to be our You Can Play ambassador for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was a great, uh, which, you know, it was a great moment uh, for for the mission and for himself as a learning moment, too, that he wanted to show that he was going to step up and, and be that supportive individual and turn what was previously a negative situation into a great positive yeah. Uh, so uh, we, you know, we get involved uh, 
as, as it comes along and we, we try to, and we have some really great people, um, you know, Brian Kitts, who, who leads the, you can play organization right now, our president and board chair, uh, is, 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 is quick on the draw, uh, for us. And we, we get together and we talk like there was one time, uh, you know, we were in the middle of a board meeting weekend when something came out and we just sort of parked that and started discussing it and how we could best help that situation, uh, rather than just, you know, quickly putting out a statement con- Deming something right that's yeah just, I it's, think, it's I got think limited appeal right yeah yeah i mean yeah when you yeah. said that you aren't immediately bringing out the pitchforks i think that that's that's so true and that's so that's so great because i think the andrew shaw example is just sort of well i don't want to say it's a small one it was a big deal like i, I was right. very upset about it and you know right um yeah but i but it's such a great example of i think what the organization does so well it's the delicacy of it right it's it's you know it's not condemning him it's not coming after him it's not calling him you know every name in the book it's right. taking, it's taking your time yeah. and realizing that it's a teachable moment right and then you look at, yeah. at where he is now i think that right there is, is a perfect example to point to about what you can play can do and just changing minds just with uh you know using right just using yeah. smarts you know and and, yeah. and being careful and you know and like i said like you know brendan's vision and legacy that's our north star and so his vision was to eradicate that level of homophobia in the sports and make others comfortable so that they wouldn't have to go through that so quickly uh, it, it may seem therapeutic uh, at one point if you if you get you know upset or whatever. But then that's a defined endpoint. Like, what's the end game here? Right. If it's going to be a teachable moment, if it's going to be where we can take then a pro athlete and help them and their organization get to a point to realize that okay, words matter, actions matter, and people are looking up to them. Then that's where we can really move. I guess move the chains down the field, if you want to say. Yeah, um, you, use use some good sports metaphors. I got. There we say. go. I mean, just all the <laughs> that's, time. That's it's a impressive. that's a prerequisite for the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, use that. Yeah. What'd you say a second ago? Uh, some I don't remember what some hockey metaphor. It's great. I think you got to yeah. work in sports <laughs> metaphor to every sentence. There you go. And I think lawyers are paid by the word, maybe. Oh, my. Oh, it's all coming yeah. full circle, isn't it? There we go. That's right. So, I mean, to sort of wrap yeah. up here, I mean, moving into sure. 2019, you know, so much good stuff has happened. I, I always say that a lot of progress has been made, but let's not forget that there's still a long way to go. And you know that Absolutely. better than anybody else. Um, Absolutely. Moving forward to 2019, I mean, what do you see as the biggest challenges for LGBTQ sports uh you know, whether it be athletes or fans or journalists or whomever, and sort of what are the goals of the organization moving forward? Um, I I don't want to say it's more of the same because certainly there is still uh, that committed uh, sort of aspect to our organization where we are still uh, relentlessly devoted to that concept of equality and inclusion. So everybody feels like they can be involved with the sport that they love rather than be shunned out because of who they love or who they are. Um, I think if you look south of the border here, uh, you know, certainly the political environment is a little challenging uh, at times where that yes, discussion is, is, you know, is, is front and center at times, especially when we look at, uh, you know, trans athletes yeah. and their inclusion and equality, which is, you know, which is, is incredibly important. Um, you know, it, when we talk about uh, suicide rates and, 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 and violence against trans uh, people, it's even just exponentially much more higher. And um, 
what we what we need to do is to make sure that we are constantly trying to lead that discussion with other organizations as well to make sure that that baseline case for equality is really a just that human aspect of equality and inclusion um, and and really move that so that you know sports is really the great unifier uh, of all this right across across boundaries across international boundaries it you know, it just brings everybody together um, so we have to harness that power in order to do that and I think 2019 is very much continuing that continuing with our, our great partnerships uh, continuing to develop that message even at the school's level at the coaches training level because coaches as you know um, are are the, are really in crucial role models at every step of the way yeah. uh, that we really need to have them as excellent partners and allies to drive that team captains just your 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 teammates coaches all the fans that can allow that so um, it really is much of just continuing uh, that like that mission to 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 really broaden and reach as many as we possibly can you know we are not a huge organization uh, we have uh, limited resources, which uh, we rely on then the generosity of others to help us fund that that mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we 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 need to really be focused on just continuing and delivering that message as much as we can uh, as we go forward. And as we look forward in terms of sporting events, uh, you know, the, the World Cup is coming to North America in 2026. Yeah. Uh, and then that's a, that's a huge, you know, we have the Canadian Professional League starting uh, this year in Canada. There's MLS, like the soccer in this in this uh, continent for the next uh, seven years mm-hmm. is going to be a huge front and center aspect of development, both at the, the level for kids to play and then just the focus on it. And I think that is a huge opportunity for us and others to, to really get involved with that message. I love that. Well, I, I feel yeah. very uh, safe and secure in your hands and everybody else. Oh, that's there. good. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's yeah. really impressive what you guys do and, and how, and how influential you've been in such a short amount of time. So I say thank, thank you, you for everything that you do. And I know that everybody listening does too. And, uh, I, I'm only, uh, only excited to see what the new year brings. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll thank keep, you. we'll keep you posted. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have, to have you back on and tell me about all the Absolutely. great stuff you've done. Sure, I'd uh, like to. Well, thank you so much for your time, David. Again, it's it's uh, thank I'm, you. I'm a big fan of the work, and I, I can't wait to see what's next. Great, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye. bye. All right, guys, there you go. Thank you very much to David Palumbo for the time. Thank you to everybody at You Can Play for all of the incredible work that they do. Like I said, I don't know if this podcast exists without them. They've given people like me a lot of visibility that that didn't exist a decade ago, and and that can't be overstated. So thank you to them. Uh, Challenges ahead in 2019, but with them at the helm, I have every expectation that things are going to be just fine. That's it for 2018. Like I said, some fun things planned for 2019. We'll get into those next year. If you're listening to this during the holidays, prior to New Year's, I hope everything's great. I hope you get everything you want. If you're listening to this late, why'd you wait? But also, I hope your holidays and your New Year were great. So all the 2019 things are are probably already happening. Thanks again to everybody for listening. Appreciate the time. It's been so much fun, and I, I sincerely look forward to what this podcast will bring and find and do in the new year 
Hope you're along for the ride. Thank you very much. Daniel Trainer, same team, signing off. Bye.